0: Joe, it's the Michael Jordan episode, episode number 23 of the Glass of Joe podcast. Big episode this week. We got Morgan Cox, long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens, joining us ahead of their monster showdown with the Steelers this weekend. Best rivalry in football, not even close. 100, well, you know, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. (laughs) Uh, We'll obviously get new uh, trivia at the end, best bets at the end in some college football. Um, Joe, we have to start off with the World Series. And I said Dodgers in six. I said Seager MVP. It.
1: You nailed it. You
0: know, I, I, I'm hit or miss with my predictions sometimes. So <laughs> when I'm on the money, I got to gloat a little bit. Absolutely. Um, look, but the series, if we're being honest, it should have been five games. The Rays yeah. were lucky to win game four. Everybody knows it. What a game four it was, though. I, that uh, that reminded me of that Houston-Dodgers uh, game that went to extras. That was like 13-12 where you kind of thought once one team scored, they were going to get momentum. It just kept going back and forth. But uh, for the Rays to win that game, send it to game five, 2-2, and then Kershaw got them the win. He got run support. Game six, though, Joe, the big story, obviously, Blake Snell being pulled. I'm sure you didn't like the decision i mean not. yeah being... there's
1: there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack with this whole world series, and go going all the way back to guest number one, Tim Kirchin, coming on and talking to us about regardless of how many games are in the season, we can't really evaluate the season as a whole until we get to its conclusion as far as how meaningful it's looked at historically, so we get to the end of it, and it's the number one seed and the number one seed. And the team that won it in the Dodgers, they were the team that probably eighty-five to ninety percent of people were picking to win it all back when it was supposed to be a hundred and sixty-two game season. So right. before I get into unpacking anything else about the World Series, just wanted to throw that out there. You could save your asterisk and re-add it to the Astros from a few years ago. Give them yes. a second one if you want to.
0: Yes.
1: None at all. The best team won, all. no question. If the no offense to the Padres or the White Sox or whatever, if one of those teams would have won it. Okay, I, I could see the argument for an asterisk because in a 162-game season, they might not have even made the playoffs. The Astros, for example, they were below 500. Oh, even if even yeah. if they would have won it, the Astros being a below 500 team that had to deal with a lot of injuries that in a 162-game season might have faltered, might have missed the playoffs, only made it because of the expanded playoffs. If any of those teams won it, asterisk. But the number one team, that everybody was picking before the pandemic hit, won the World Series, save your asterisk. Now, that game four was insane. It absolutely should have been Dodgers and five. Uh, my, one of my favorite stories that history will remember, uh, unfortunately, you always remember the winner, not the loser, but that game and the storyline that people remember, Brett Phillips needing an IV after that game because his heart rate was 140 and he was about to pass out. That is just the pure joy of the game that these players derive from it. It was baseball in its purest form, that whole series, the smiles everywhere. Uh, I'm glad that bat flipping is becoming more commonplace and players are just having a good time out there. It was so fun to watch. It was great for the sport after so much bad. And then it ends with a big dark cloud over it.
2: Yeah.
1: After all of that, 2020 comes around full circle and Justin Turner bomb show at the end. one of the most boneheaded things I think anybody has publicly done since the pandemic. This is is way worse. This is way worse than what Rudy Gobert did. At that time, while it was stupid what Rudy Gobert did, touching all the microphones that obviously stopped the NBA season, while that was stupid, in March, we didn't really know what COVID really was still. We knew it was Mm -hmm. starting to become a bigger deal. We didn't know that it was this. And while what he did was asinine, I could see people having that ignorant uh, mindset of, oh, this is dumb. I'm going to touch your microphones. Ha, ha, ha We're now seven months into this. Over 200,000 people have died. Today, we crossed a 9 million threshold of positive cases. Justin Turner test positive. Wasn't a false positive. They confirmed it was a positive. And he went back out there. He went back out there after he was told to isolate he took his mask off. He's taking pictures. He's kissing his fiance. i I'm sorry, mm-hmm. a fiance, wife, girlfriend, whatever she is. He's kissing her, taking pictures. Hugging
0: teammates, Hugging teammates. holding the trophy. I'll say this. Yeah. It's
1: fine. The teammates, they're voluntarily there. They signed up for this. But I feel bad for all the families and, and friends that were out there, kids that were out there. there were sure. pregnant wives out there. Sure. And the worst thing of all is Justin Turner is their player rep. So he signed off on all these protocols. And then at the end, he violated it and put everybody in danger. So uh, it's unfortunate that we're not talking about a Dodgers World Series as much as we should be. After 32 years of not winning one, everybody's talking about Justin Turner. So it's sad that that was a damper on it after such a great display of baseball for a couple of weeks. But that's unfortunately the world in which we live right now because –
0: could so you imagine the above insanity if there would have been a game seven oh and my game God. tested positive? They might have not played the game for like a week and a half, two weeks. It, it would and have now, been.
1: Now that's something where, talk about asterisks, then you could have probably included one because, all right, you played six games, they had a week off and everybody's fully rested. You have full allotment of pitchers versus a full allotment of pitchers, allotment of pitchers yes. one game after. I, you know what I honestly almost would have been in favor of P.J.? And it's. I don't I'm glad we never got to this point. I'm glad the Dodgers won.
0: Play another I, like mini series or something. I was just
1: gonna say I would have been in favor of taking a two-week pause and just playing playing a five game set.
0: Yeah, I'm cool I, with that. that's
1: what I I would have been fine with that. Right. Baseball would have been fine with that probably sure. because it would have been a lot more TV money. Right. Just play another five game set. It's not like one team was three to two and had an advantage. In this hypothetical, it was three to three going to a game seven. So everybody's on equal footing. Just do another five game set. But we never got there.
0: No. Uh, and it when, was a great series. I, uh, when Kevin Burkhart, I was so happy to
1: see Kershaw. I was so oh, happy to see Kershaw.
0: He was. I love Dave Roberts telling him, like, I'm so happy for you, man. That was, uh, you know, that was the Ovechkin moment for baseball. That was the Peyton Manning moment for football. Yep. Those guys have done everything except win the championship. And Kershaw, I mean, he's really the last guy. Pujols has his ring. There's I one guess more. Miguel Cabrera doesn't have there's, his but.
1: There's one more. Not Cabrera. Mike Trout. Mike Trout's going to be the tough one to get over yes. the hump because they're so bad. The Angels is an organization right. recently, right. but that moment when Mike Trout gets one, if Mike Trout ever comes to get one, uh, that will be the one that sticks out to people yes. above all else.
0: Yes. No, but definitely happy for Kershaw because again, I mean, that's, that's the only thing he was missing. And for him to play a role in it and pitch well in the postseason. I kind of thought it would go seven games and the baseball gods would just make it so that Kershaw would come out of the pen in game seven to close the thing out. But uh, no, give, give the Dodgers credit. You know, the Blake Snell move again, that's been Kevin Cash's MO. We talked about it last week, how he doesn't let his pitchers go third time through the order, but man, at 75 innings pitched and you heard all the Dodgers players, Mookie, Bellinger, they were all talking about like, yeah, when he came out of the game, we were like, what the, what the hell's Cash doing? Like, he, he was mowing us down. He had nine strikeouts through five and two-thirds.
1: I'm um, all for the numbers. I get it. And I'm not saying that the Yankees or the Dodgers should operate that way because they have the money to offset it. Right. The Rays – what people forget here, the, the Rays aren't saying – the owners aren't saying, all right, we think we're smarter than everybody. I'm just going to not spend money and we're still going to win. No, that's just – they're a small market team, and in order to have success, that's how they have to operate. They're not doing this just to thumb their nose at everybody and uh, say, oh, we're just smarter than you, and that's how we're going to win. No, this this is a necessity thing for them because they don't have the funds of these other teams. And you can't just stray away from your identity because it's the World Series. You can't just do that. And I didn't envy the position Cash was in because, all right, if he leaves Snell in and Betts hits a homer, he's going to get criticized for straying away from what they've done all year. If he takes Snell out and runs are allowed, then he gets criticized for taking out Snell. He was in a lose-lose situation there. It was all just gonna come down to execution. Now, where he went wrong, I think, is turning to Anderson. Anderson was one of their top relievers all season, but with Hasn't giving up that plan. run, yeah. exactly. With giving up that run, he had then given up a run in seven straight appearances. You can't turn to that guy. Turn to Loop, turn to Fairbanks, turn to Castillo, That's all the these end. other guys. But at its core, I would have left Snell in. there's a t- there comes a time where you got to look at the analytics. Sure. That's who you are, but you got to look at your guy. He, he had no hitter perfect game type stuff. The two hits he gave up were two soft singles. There was no hard contact. It's not like those couple of warning shots when a guy's starting to get fatigued, where uh, there'll be a fly out to the warning track. That makes you raise your eyebrows and say, Oh, maybe it's time we get him out there. No, they were not touching him. They looked silly When you get, like you said, exactly like you said, when Mookie Betts says, oh, my God, I'm glad they're taking him out, like, that should tell you 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 messed up as a manager in that case. But it just boils down to, in this age of analytics, managers have to be able to, in certain situations, trust their gut. Now, uh, Bill Barnwell, love him on ESPN, big analytics guy. He was trying to defend it, and the case that he brought up was Matt Harvey in Game 5 of the World Series that the Mets lost to the Royals. Difference being though, I get what you're I get what he was trying to say. Matt Harvey was already at like a hundred pitches. He was starting to kind of run out of the run out uh, of gas. He was emptying the tank in the eighth inning. Competitor wanted to go out there, trusted the gut, let him out there. It didn't work. But Snow was not even at seventy five pitches yet. Wasn't breaking he was a sweat. So efficient, yeah. not <laughs> breaking a sweat. He, he looked was fully like the Blake Snow from a couple years ago. So. It, you had to just use your eyes in that case. And I guess uh, the, the White Sox will be using their eyes because they dropped the bombshell today of hiring 76-year-old Tony La Russa. So I,
0: yeah, that was uh, – uh, I loved your tweet. What year is this? I mean, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> uh, look, that's Jerry Reinsdorf for you, right? We yeah. saw the last dance and the debacle of how the Bulls kind of dispersed. And he's got a great thing going now with the White Sox. And uh, that's a questionable hire. One more thing, though, about the Dodgers looking ahead to, to next season – if you had your choice of them to repeat or the field, who would you take? Uh,
1: they're not really losing anyone.
0: That's what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> that's what I'm trying to think about real quick. They're I mean, not Kershaw's a
0: year older. I get it, but the yeah, lineup's but Ker- still going to be good While ridiculous. Kershaw's
1: a year older, so is Bueller, May, Urias, and these Gratterell. young bucks, who, and, yeah. and Granol, who are going to start getting into their primes. Yeah,
0: that's true, um,
1: too. And Bueller's only – I mean – um. Kershaw, excuse me, is only 33. We, we think he, I think people think he's older than he is yes. because he's been so great for so long. But he's only 33, and that's, that's right around Grom, Scherzer. We don't talk about those guys like that. So why should we talk about Kershaw like that? I think it's just a perception because he's been at the top for so long and you're waiting for him to come down, and he just doesn't come down. Um, gosh, it's, we've seen how – look, we've seen how tough it is how it took them 32 years, how they've been so close over the last few years, at, despite how great they are. So because of that, I've inclined to take the field. But I think psychologically, they've struggled the last few years because they've always had it in the back of their minds. But now it's that, that video of Steve Young, you know, the monkey off the back. Yeah. So once you get one, does two come easier now? I'll probably take the field just because it is very difficult but I would not be in the slightest stunned if they repeat. I wouldn't be in the slightest stunned if we get another double LA repeat with the Lakers and the Dodgers next year. Now that would be a prop bet that I would like to see. Uh, yeah. At the beginning oh, of the I'm season. sure. it'll. Kinda, what kind of odds you get on that? Because I might play that if the odds are good enough.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I, uh, I'm with you. You got to take the field just because of the percentages. Um, it's tough, though, in the NL. you got to think the Braves and the Padres would probably be the two best contenders to take them out.
1: Oh, oh wait a minute now. Wait a minute now. There's one big boogeyman that you got to remember is going to be a, a, a force to be reckoned with next year, and that is the New York Mets. Oh, because because Steve Cohen is going to be the owner within a couple of days, and he has the deepest pockets by far. He, by $10 billion, is the richest owner in baseball. And he just wants to win. He's a Mets fan who wants to win. So we have to be thinking of the Mets in the context of there's a better than not chance they have one of, multiple of, or all of Trevor Bauer, J.T. Realmuto, George Springer, and Francisco Lindor. On top you get of, all those,
0: you get two of those players, players, and we'll I, talk. I,
1: I, PJ, I will, I will go out on a limb and say we are the Mets are getting two of those guys at the least. They will get Real Muto. That is the guarantee. Put it in Sharpie. Bauer is a toss-up. Springer is the other one that I'm very confident in. Uh, Lindor would have to be a trade. I don't know that they'd do that. That'd be a real splash. But of all those names, there will be New York Mets among that group. Added to Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Jacob deGrom, a returning from Tommy John Noah, Syndergaard, there's don't forget about the Mets. All just right, just, right. just, dropping that in there. Don't forget I, about the Mets.
0: We'll see. But again, too, I mean, it, it would all look good on paper, but do you trust your manager? Do you trust Rojas?
1: I don't think Rojas is going to be the manager. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be AJ Hinch or who it'll be, but they're going to go out. I think you can get a splashy managerial hire. I think they're going to go out and get the, the GM and baseball ops is kind of up in the air. Cause Sandy Alderson's back in the fold, who is a really good executive. He's been executive of the year in the MLB. Um, I don't know if they're going to pair him with somebody. Uh, he's good enough on his own. I would like for them to pair him with somebody younger who – I mean, Alderson is, is an old man now. Like, they got to pair him with somebody younger. Yeah. Um, but I think they will have a new manager. I think it could honestly even be Carlos Beltran, because if we turn around and see that Cora gets his job back and Hinch gets a job back, there's no reason not to think that Carlos Beltran could also get his job back. So I, I don't look at it as Luis Rojas either. So it's going to be a totally no uh, new look Mets. I don't know when the odds will come out for the World Series. I think they already. Oh, they're if, already out. If they're if they're already accessible, where you could sprinkle something on it. I'm not saying the Mets are going to win it. You know me. I'm the most pessimistic fan about my Jets, Mets, and Rangers. But now would be the time to do it if you have the thought that the Mets are going to spend wildly, which they probably could and will, because all the other owners that have been negatively impacted by the pandemic, Cohen hasn't seen his bottom line impacted because he hasn't been an owner yet. So he could come in and just play with Monopoly money. And look, we don't always see teams like that succeed in their first seasons, but after he takes over and after those names start to fall into place, the odds are going to probably be cut in half. So if you have that thought, there's probably good value on the Mets right now.
0: Definitely good value to get them. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Just thinks so though, that baseball's over, right? Get to the beginning yeah. of game six, and I'm like this, like, this is it. Like, we really only got football now. We got the Masters in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But we only got college and the NFL now kind of taking I'm not going to complain
1: about that, because for a couple of months, we had absolutely nothing. But 100% we but we were so spoiled. We were so spoiled, we're, spoiled right, by having right. everything, yeah. and now we only have football, and it's going to be a little bit different. But – Again, it's it's not of all the things to have only at once, football would be my pick to have only football going on. Like I'd rather I would I, agree I, I with certainly prefer sense. this time of year yes. to the dead of August when it is only baseball, or to um well I guess there really isn't much time where it's no, that's it. It's only the only times where there's one going on is dead August. of summer when it's only yeah. baseball, or right around now when it's only football before the nhl nba really start to pick up so yeah but uh, hey we, we were spoiled for long enough i guess
0: <laughs> and uh it's matchups like this week with Ravens steelers while we're happy that if we're gonna have one matchup to if we're gonna have one sport it's football we got yep. morgan Cox, the long snapper of the ravens talking to him coming up next Pleased to be joined this week by three-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, and long snapper for the Baltimore Ravens, Morgan Cox. Morgan, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. How's everything going?
2: Everything's great, guys. Just uh, you know, getting ready for Pittsburgh.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought that up. That was going to be my <laughs> first question for you. And I was listening to uh, one of your teammates, Calais Campbell, as he was having his press conference on Monday. Obviously, his first taste at this rivalry. And he said that you can just tell how much weight this game carries. There's no biggest, there's no bigger rivalry in the NFL. As someone who has played in Ravens Steelers for 10 years, what makes this game so special?
2: Uh, I think Coach Harbaugh said it best in one of our meetings. He said, we're just, we're built to play each other. Um, Because, I mean, just like this year, I mean, we're uh, two of the best teams in the NFL to, you know, obviously in the same division, we're going to play each other twice a year so you know, why not prepare for the other team? Um, and so I think both teams, both cities are, are, you know, have kind of the same attitude that blue collar just, you know, hit you in the mouth, you know, four quarter football or as long as it takes football. Uh, and, you know, yeah, I, I think uh, Coach, we were breaking it down for practice one day or one day this, or I think it was Monday and coach asked uh, Sam to break it down. He said, "Sam, you've probably you've got the most Steeler games uh, in in your career of, of anybody here." And then who who's next? And then uh, somebody said Morgan. And uh, I was, it kind of hit me too. Like I didn't it didn't even occur to me that uh, that, that 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 was true. But yeah, ten years. Uh, I feel like every one of them's been close. Every one of them's hard fought, and um, you know, there's a lot of hitting. Last year was a perfect example for me, I, just thinking back on it. Like,
1: look, everybody was down on the Steelers last year. They used Mason, they used Duck Hodges, and you guys were obviously incredible, and every game was still a nail-biter. So yeah. the, it, the, the old cliche, when these two teams meet, you throw the records out. Mm-hmm. That doesn't apply to any other rivalry the way it does to this one. I saw the stat today. Yeah, Chris I was just put it out. 46 meetings since 1999. It's 23 to 23. You guys are averaging 20.5 points. They're averaging 19.8, I think it was. So, like, it is, it is like yeah. the Duke Carolina yeah. where it's exactly same score, same win, everything. But now you guys are halfway through this year just about. Um, you had your bye week. You, have you started to get into a routine? I know this year has been kind of wacky with all the testing and the protocols and all the other wrenches thrown into things. But are you starting to find that routine now that you're about halfway through or is it just kind of like anything goes in 2020?
2: You're talking you're about just the season? Routine? Just the season.
1: Yep, just the season.
2: To be perfectly honest with you, Sam, Justin, and I have had the same routine probably not, not since his rookie year, but probably since 2014, I'd say. I mean, we, it's just like, I can tell you almost exactly where I'm going to be any given week. Um, We even like we've had this tradition on Fridays that we always eat red Robin, um, (laughs) looks a little different this year we actually do uh oh my gosh DoorDash, and they we get it sent to the facility now but we used to every every friday we would go to to red robin right after practice and um eat a couple burgers and just kind of you know chop it up i don't know what what else we have to talk about since (laughs) we've been been together all week but um yeah it's just kind of one of those silly traditions we have but yeah, to sum it up, yeah, we've we've kind of found our routine, and, and uh, we've been together so long that, um, you know, like I said, we, we we just kind of fall back into that, that um, you know, monotony, I guess, if you want to call it that. We enjoy it's it. a little bit of a different way as far as, like you said, just
1: bringing it to the facility instead of, uh, instead of going, out. hey, I guess it's the year where we're all finding ways to kind of keep our same routines, but yeah. adapt to it if we have to. And yeah. um, I'd one say of those things our
2: sanity, really. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Of
1: course. Now, one of those differences is no fans or limited fans, depending on where you're playing. Um, as someone who is out there, obviously, for the special operations, field goals, punts you're not out there the whole time, so you have a chance on the sideline to kind of usually take in that atmosphere. And, and more so than most other players, you have that uh, vantage point of it. How different or weird or, or how much impact has it had on the game this year to have limited or no fans?
2: I would say it's definitely had, had an impact in terms of, energy in, in the uh, stadium, I, I think, uh, I can't remember who, who said it, but earlier in the season kind of recognized that, like, there are players that kind of feed off of the crowd's energy, and you kind of see um, who those guys are now because you don't have as many people in the stands. And so, you know, a big play happens or something, you know, just the flow of the game changes the way some players play now you know it kind of also differentiates from the players that are that are kind of self driven self energized self motivated so to speak that uh um but for, i think that's that's more for us that we're that we try and stay within our ourselves we're probably really boring to watch all of i mean we and tucker always gets asked to do mic'd up but he's always said no um because he doesn't want anybody to hear our conversations <laughs> on the sidelines but uh, yeah, we really try and remove remove ourselves from the game. So really, this is pretty pretty natural for us. We, um, I, th- I do remember the the first PAT they had um, of the season against the Browns. They had not figured out like the crowd noise or something, and the, like the low crowd noise they were going to play um, for everybody. And I went out there, and it was just eerily quiet no coaches were talking no players were talking on the field off the field and like it was just this twilight zone where sam calls for the ball and i was like wow i can't hear there's literally nothing else um no other sound in the stadium and so that was the first one was weird but then beyond that it's been pretty 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 good
0: now you talk about your teammates, Justin Tucker, Sam Cook. You guys are the Wolf Pack, the three of you. How did that uh, nickname come about?
2: Justin's rookie year, I think we 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 had made a couple kicks, um, important ones. I think it was, I don't remember which game it was, but he had made the Patriots' kick. We might have made, maybe it was after the San Diego kick uh, kicks when we tied the game and and won the game. But uh, you know, he made the comment to a. a reporter that we're the three best friends that anybody could have with the Wolfpack and um, just the name has stuck ever since. And now we've been together nine years. So uh, that's what everybody calls us. I mean, when guys walk past us in the meeting, because we sit pretty close to each other, six feet apart, of course, but um, we sit pretty close together and everybody will walk by us and go Wolfpack. Good morning. And stuff. It's just, it's weird how it's stuck like that, but it's fun.
0: Now, Morgan, I think I was watching NFL films one time years ago or whatever. And I remember Terrell Suggs would get pissed at anyone that would come talk to you guys during games. And I didn't know if since he's not there anymore, if that unwritten rule kind of still applies. Do you just, do you three kind of just do your own thing during the games?
2: Yeah. We, uh, what do we call it? The, um, it's not our, our safe zone. It's not that it's, it's, uh, anyway, we've got kind of, a, we've got our kicking net over off to the side where we go and warm up and stuff, but we go, we go over there and, and it's our, uh, it's kind of our peaceful zone. There's, you know, we have the, the normal camera guys and the, uh, some some of the personnel walks through there and stuff, but generally everybody leaves us alone um, to do our thing. But I do remember that it it was the Chargers game, his rookie year, and Ray went over to to, to say something. I'm not sure exactly what he said, to bless him or something, you know, like that. And, and Terrell right. was like, what are you doing, Chug? Get away from him. Get away from him and stuff. And so, <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was funny. But yeah, we usually just try and you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of guys understand that just kind of stay away and don't say much. Now, one of my friends in high school was
1: a long snapper for our team. And uh, he went on to be a GA in college and, and same thing, helped out with the uh, with the long snappers, he always used to tell me that sometimes it's more nerve-wracking when you have an elite kicker because you know JT's hitting that kick 90% of the time. So all the eyes are on you and Sam not to mess up the operation. Do you yeah. – I mean, now it's routine for you guys. But early on, when you realized JT was who he was, did you feel more pressure that, oh, crap, If as long as I get it to him, he's making it. Let me just make sure I get it to him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I've always kind of felt that. I've kind of taken that approach I should say from the time that I was in college. I mean, it was, it was nothing new to me to have to be snapping to Justin as it was Uh snapping to uh, Daniel Lincoln was my first kicker in, in at Tennessee I always felt like if I snapped the ball the way that I'm supposed to, that um, my kicker was going to make the kick. Now, yes, Daniel Lincoln is different from the greatest kicker in NFL history, but um you know, yeah, I, I, I do remember when we we took we were, you know, in quarantine for COVID and we came back and we started practicing again. Um, just three of us just the, before camp started and stuff. And I started snapping to him. I was just like, for some reason, I, I just kind of felt some nerves getting back together and stuff. So but that was just in practice. Um, but it's still the same approach every time I want to snap the ball laces out um, when when Sam catches it and then he puts it down in time. And uh, Tuck has plenty of time. We, we call it we call it big balls. I don't know if, he, if I can say that necessarily. but oh, you're good. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, we, I want to snap it to where the the ball looks like it's you know ten feet wide, and Tuck can uh, can can kick, it and he's got tons of time.
0: Now Tuck's obviously an amazing kicker. Sam Cook's an amazing punter, but Cook is also a fantastic and efficient quarterback. After the Washington game, he's now seven for seven in his career. So Morgan, I wanted to ask you, who takes more pride in being the best? Is it Tucker as a kicker or Sam or Cook as the efficient quarterback?
2: (laughs) Oh, that's, that's a tough one. I would say (laughs) Sam's overall outlook in life is that he wants to be the best at everything. So I would say, I would say Sam automatically, but, but I mean, Tuck, Tuck loves the glory too. So, I mean, he he loves being the best in the game um, and he's proven himself to be that. So, that's the, I would say Sam just barely edges him out.
0: Does he ever try and outdo Lamar in practice or anything like that?
2: <laughs> no, no. He, he knows he, he knows he could take him. So it's all right.
1: <laughs> uh, love it. Um, just a very, you know, niche specific question here getting football nitty gritty. We, we were just both curious ever since the rule was implemented a couple years ago where defenders couldn't line up directly over the center. What has that changed for you? Has it made life easier? Um, what, Was the biggest thing you noticed
2: in the years that have followed versus the years prior? So I've heard the saying that timing is everything in life, and um, that rule was implemented um, my rookie year. So in 2010. It's been that long? It has been 10 years now. It's been kind of fine tuned to where now you can't hit me directly on field goals. Punts, it's pretty much been the same. So I think it was in 2009 that um, I think the way I understand it, the Patriots and the Ravens were playing in 2009 and I don't know who did it first, but one way or another, like, if you guys remember, Hlody Nada was lined up over their snapper. And I think it was like Vince Wilfork Will or something was lined up over um, the Ravens snapper, Makatula at the time. And th- I mean, there was no like attempt to, punt- to block the punt. It was entirely just like smash the snapper. And so I think, it was after that game that the, the competition committee came together and was like, Hey, maybe we can't do this to snappers because they're at a in a real big disadvantage. So then I come in the next year um, snappers or uh, the snappers get that um, the shoulder length or shoulder width um, kind of distance where they can't be lined up over. Now, if there's little, like you said, n- niche rules where um, if, somebody moves, then then, you, then it allows for the, the snapper to be covered. But for the most part, um, it, it does kind of make it a little bit more difficult because I've been lined up straight over, and you kind of know where your guy is um, when he's lined up straight over you, whereas, like, if he's, you know, to your right or to your left, he's, you've got a set to him, but then he could also cross your face. And so, I mean, there's, there's little things like that um, that you kind of have to account for. Gotcha. Now, long snappers,
1: look, you guys never get any airtime unless you mess up, unfortunately. I mean, every punter, kicker, they get the airtime. Whether JT hits a kick, Monday night, Johnny Hecker nails a few punts. you yeah. got the whole punters are people too movement. What's it going to take for us to get some recognition, though, for long
2: snappers? Long snappers are people too, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, we've been, we, got, we were happy last year when they included us on the Pro Bowl ballot. Uh, last year we we actually got to uh, the coaches and players got to vote on on long snappers Uh, and so so that that was the first year that we truly got it we truly like elected a you know best long snapper that year so it was pretty cool now that's one position too where like
1: all right kicker guys unfortunately get hurt you miss kicks punters you have some off things there's 32 long snapping jobs and you look around the league. There's guys that are there for ten years. It is under the radar one of the most exclusive groups at any sport, any position. So sure. I, I yeah, know for the yeah, longest yeah. time Tanner Purdom was it for the Jets. I'm a Jets fan, by the way. So oh, okay. I, okay. a week like a week like this, I watch your I'm guys the <laughs> and enjoy it while I cry over a thirty-plus point loss to the Chiefs. Sure. But yeah. Besides the
2: point. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, evidenced by, you know, this, this year we have, because of COVID, we have, uh, Nick Moore is on our roster right now on our practice squad. Um, and he's essentially my backup. So if like, you know, COVID hits the locker room and for some reason, um, you know, I'm not able to play, um, he would be able to step in and he's, and I'm really the only one that truly doesn't have a backup you know, for a game like that. Whereas, you know, if, you know, if a kicker in the league goes down and usually like you said, like a punter could take his, you know, could take his spot for the game um, or vice versa. But uh, you know, typically the, the, the long snapper is the long snapping duties are so um, strange, I guess is the best word <laughs> for it. Uh, that, that, not, there's typically not a guy that's, that's could, could get really through an entire game that way. You know, you got a guy like I. I tore my ACL twice. Um, the second time, Helody Nada actually took the the field goal snaps after I had gotten hurt. And so, there's typically a guy that can get you through like the end of the game. But um, like I said, we have Nick Moore on on the roster to be able to you know take a whole game if that if that circumstance wherever to rear its ugly head well, hopefully not <laughs> the next
0: step yeah. for the long snappers is now that you guys are in the pro bowl we got to get you into the pro bowl festivities love to see you in dodgeball or something like yeah. that that'd be, yeah. that'd be pretty cool Morgan, I, i've
2: always wanted to, to see that skills competition come back and have us included and in, you know yeah. one of my
0: favorite
1: things you yes
2: know, take out see, bottles or something like. i was just
1: gonna say yes. you put some bottles up on a ledge yeah. see who could take it out that's exactly what i was gonna say
0: absolutely now, Morgan, we got two final segments that we do with all our guests. Before that, one more question. Just what's your, pre- what's your pregame routine like? Are you a superstitious guy? Pregame meals? Is there something that you always have to do before games?
2: I'm not superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I have my routines. I had to say that. I, I one of our, uh, our Are you routines. a big office guy? Uh, di- yeah, yeah. Our, our defensive coordinator loves to say that too. So I had to use it, use it as well, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little stitious. I have a couple little things that I like to do. Um, I, I try and eat something similar. I, I do a little, uh, meditation actually is a pretty new one, um, that I've, that I've been doing just kind of, uh, to kind of i don't know center myself is that the is that the, what you're supposed to say yeah <laughs> um but uh just also just acknowledge the situation that i'm i'm grateful for where i'm where i am um pray a lot uh during that time uh and then before like right before the game i you know we usually have a timing where i get ready at a certain times tucker has his routine where he lays his whole uniform out right in front of his locker and then like i think he takes a picture of it occasionally but um, he's done that ever since I think college. And uh, then we go out and we do our normal routine. And, and from there, it's it's very, very uh, regimented. But but yeah, I mean, little stitious. Little stitious.
0: Um, as I mentioned, the two final segments we do first one, the Swift seven, seven rapid fire questions, and then a trivia question for you okay. at the end. So question number one for you, Morgan, if you could go pro in any other sport, what would it be? golf nice all right favorite sec stadium you played in outside of Neyland?
2: Hmm. shoot i know this would be quick uh alabama came to mind i guess i hate to give them anything but
0: <laughs> i'm a bama <laughs> guy so i yeah, don't, don't, the, don't, uh, look over, alabama, don't look over don't look
2: over yeah. pj's shoulder there <laughs> yeah yeah i'll have to change my answer i don't know florida was another one that was fun so i What's love your... the rivalry. i love playing at steel uh, at at heinz field too so like I just love the rivalry stuff, so yeah, I, I'll go with Alabama
0: Sunday night at Heinz Field. That's probably your favorite game,
2: a hundred percent. They strangely enough, they have one of the best sound systems in the league, and so like when when Renegade comes on, obviously I'm not a fan of them sure. at all. But I mean, we've kind of taken over, you know. That I mean, I shouldn't even say that. Well, we've we've kind of you know a lot of plays have gone our way when that song comes on, and so I associate it with a lot of a lot of uh, positive positive moments so i'm uh i love that i love that song because of the because of that stadium
0: yeah um favorite city road trip in the nfl
2: city oh um seattle came to mind right off the bat i've only gone there twice but um had some good sushi and um it's just a cool cool place to walk around um new orleans New, New Orleans, you know, because of the memories and yeah. the food as well. So yeah,
0: um, crawfish or Baltimore crab cake?
2: Hmm. Crab cake. Yeah, I like crawfish, but crab cake. Good crab cake. Yeah.
1: All right. Uh, number five, favorite NFL stadium outside of MT? and
2: Heinz Field. I'd I'd go back to Heinz uh, Field. Was was a lot of fun um cash it's really i can't even come up with a with a close second on it um you know, all you guys like all the ravens,
0: said, I remember Flacco said that was his favorite yeah. Sub says it's his favorite
2: yeah it's it's just that uh, i can't really describe the the atmosphere other than just it's it's Heinz Field. And it's you hate the
1: team you're playing, but you yeah. know it's a special game and a special atmosphere
2: absolutely yeah, i think uh, not to go on a tangent, but I think uh Siz used to get uh Terrell Suggs used to get fan mail from the Steelers fans saying like obviously they don't like him, but that he made the experience fun for them because he was kind of, he was a villain that he that he played that that role that that made it a lot more fun to watch the games. And so it's the same type thing. You you love to hate him. Everybody yep. needs uh every rivalry needs a guy like that. But uh last one, he made
1: it through the Swift Seven. Oh, excuse me, two more. I almost cheated my, ourselves out of a question there uh outside of the wolf pack favorite teammate you ever had going back to college or in the pros
2: um oh man this one's tough <laughs> i could honestly i could name so many people uh favorite teammate i i oh man i can't answer that i've, <laughs> I've heard so many i feel like i've heard so many people's feelings that's I'm fine still, i'm still best friends with two guys in college um, you know, I've just had so many teammates over the years that I'm still in touch with, uh, from the NFLs. You know, when you play, I'm, I'm in year 16 of post high school football. So yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's too many people. Joe, I'll, get a quick
0: su- I'll get a quick substitute in there. What's your favorite game that you've played in besides this winning the Super Bowl? obviously?
2: The uh, first thing, the first thing that popped into my head was the divisional game in um in denver that same year so when we hit um we hit the double ot uh winter in in denver it was negative 15 degrees i had had the flu on the way out to denver i think i don't think we've traveled two days before we traveled day before i slept like 13 hours the night before i mean i was i got I remember Marshall Yonda couldn't believe I was, he was like, why are you getting an IV before the game? All you're, all you're doing is snapping. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sick, Marsh. Like I can't even stand up right now. And, and of course we go to double OT and negative 15 degrees. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was easily my uh, second favorite. All right. We changed to the Swift seven and a
1: half then with that, yeah. but the last one, yeah. uh, favorite sports movie.
2: Favorite sports movie. Um, rookie of the year and pistol Pete. I'm going to, I'm going to name two rookie of the year. I can nearly quote, um, <laughs> line for line pistol Pete. My dad calls me Pete. So I'm that's my, um, close second. All right. There you go. Nice. Uh, the Trivia question. Now,
1: whenever we've had athletes on the show, uh, we try to make it not necessarily sports history, but like your personal career recall. So for you, Oh, and it's, it's three strikes, 90 seconds. Those are the Those are the parameters here. Okay. So since you joined the Ravens in 2010, obviously you guys have done a lot of winning. Uh, There's only three teams that you were unbeaten against. Can you name the three teams that you personally have never
2: lost to? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Shoot. Uh, Jets? No, not the Mm. Jets. I
1: know we suck, but we've won a game.
0: I believe you've only lost to them one time. So it was close.
2: Well, we played the Jets my first – my very first uh, Monday night game. NFL game. When you guys
0: went – when you guys played Giants-Jets back-to-back, I think that was the year you lost to if I remember correctly.
2: Okay. Okay. In the whole of the NFL uh... –
1: We'll give you a hit. Think NFC, teams that you haven't played a ton. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was when played them.
2: I know we, I know we, I think we got beat by Seattle at home in whatever that was, 2015. So I don't think it was. You got
0: 40 seconds left, so you got plenty of time.
2: Okay. Um, <laughs> I got beat by Arizona. I can't think of anybody now. Um, Rams? There you go. The one of the Rain teams. The one. One. Yep. Two more. Uh, I think we've beaten the Bucks a lot. Bucks. The Bucks there's one more. two.
0: One more. 20 seconds.
2: Oh, there's no way I'm going to get this one. Lost <laughs> uh, to the Panthers. Uh, Atlanta. Uh, gosh, I can, honestly, I can't even
0: think of uh, Thanksgiving. Like who's always plays on Thanksgiving? Uh,
2: Detroit. 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 Lions, right, right? The, uh, the, the
1: the man wearing the Ravens polo. I had to, to give my guy a lifeline.
0: Yeah, That's uh, thanks.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. I should have gotten that. I should have gotten that one too. I don't, I don't. know why I didn't think of them. The,
0: um, I mean, the Lions game was. Pr- I mean, that was the Monday night game when Tuck hit the drilled the sixty-one yeah, yarder. Yeah. So yeah. that was crazy. I, I heard you. I heard you mention the Falcons. You lost to them your rookie season. You've beaten okay. them every year yeah. since, but yeah. you lost them your rookie season. So yeah, those are the, those are the three teams you've. Never uh,
2: I'm beat. I'm uh, impressed with myself. I got I got those two not <laughs> pretty know, good. About that, but yeah, that's funny. That's, that's a good right. one. I like that. One. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> you're the second NFL guy we had on. I don't. I probably shouldn't say this this week, but the first was Minka Fitzpatrick. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> yeah. he got he got his trivia question too. So, uh, good, I good. see the comment thread here, PJ, a Bama guy and a Ravens guy. He had a there Bama guy on, and he's got a Ravens guy on now. So
0: nice. Uh, so oh, there, yeah. there, there, there you, you go. go. <laughs> well, Morgan, we appreciate you joining us, man. Obviously, game of the year up to this point so far. So enjoy it. Good luck, and appreciate you joining us. Stay healthy throughout the season.
2: Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Enjoy it. Yeah, Thank All right, you. Thank you.
0: Joe, absolutely love that interview with Morgan Cox. Uh, second NFL player we've had on, but it was great to have a guy on during the season. Yep.
1: And it's great that it was a Steelers player and now a Ravens yes. player. And we got the Ravens player during Steelers week. We so almost got the Glass of Joe Bowl
0: circle. going on here <laughs> this week. <laughs> yes,
1: we gotta have the we gotta have the winner back on the show first. That's so there exactly you go. It.
0: Yep, loser <laughs> gets kicked to the side, winner gets to come back on. Um, but I loved his quote off the top of how he said that Coach, Coach Harbaugh just kind of said, you know, Ravens Steelers is so good because they're built to play each other, and mm-hmm. it's true. You know, they they both had such good defenses for so long. They both had quarterbacks that play well in the postseason. Obviously now Lamar's the quarterback instead of Flacco. They both usually are able to run the ball really really well, and they can win. On the road and big games, they've really been the two biggest threats to the Patriots in the AFC for the last decade. So that should be a lot of fun. I know you think the Steelers are going to win the game outright. I I do. I kind of am am leaning that way too. I'm just – it'll be interesting to see. My biggest thing with the Ravens is these last three weeks, they've played Washington, Cincinnati, and Philly, teams that they know that they can beat. And they haven't been running the ball. They haven't played kind of their style. They've tried to get the pass game going. And now that they play the Steelers this week, the Colts next week, the Titans the week after, now that their schedule starts to get good, I want to see if they start going back to last year's offense. And the defense now, now that you get Yannick Ngakwe, do they settle down with the blitzes and the pressures? Because Big Ben is the best against the blitz so far this season, he's getting the. And Mahomes is
1: second best, so that was absolutely a trade to guard against the Steelers and the Chiefs.
0: You would think, and uh, and Ben's getting the ball out of his hands quicker than any other quarterback in football. They obviously have so many weapons on the outside with Juju, Claypool, Deontay Johnson. So uh, th- that, to me, the 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 matchup between what the Ravens' offense looks like and what their defense looks like. Because if they try to throw Lamar 35, 40 times, they're going to lose. It's, it's that plain and simple. So we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: Um, I think the Ravens need to roll on the tape of the Titans' offense. I'm not saying they have to take anything from the Titans' offense, but the Titans are also a team that like to get out in front, control the game with the run. But as we saw this past week when they played the Steelers in a close game, Goskowski missed a field goal right at the buzzer. The Titans went down, and it's not the first time I've seen the Titans do this. They went down. Happening against the Texans as well, but they don't change their identity. They stick with who they are, yeah. give it to Henry, play action. The Ravens, when they've gotten down, be it the Chiefs, be it in the postseason the last two years, when they get down, they change everything. They try to turn Lamar into Peyton Manning right. and it doesn't work because Lamar's yeah. not Peyton Manning. Right. He is who he is and he's great at who he is, but when – They try to get away from that because they panic and look at the scoreboard. They're screwed. In the second half of that Chiefs game, they were, of course, helped by a couple of turnovers. But aside from that, they started at times to run the ball more, and that's what got them back into the game. But in the first half, they totally flipped the switch to pass only, and that's what hurt them. Got to run on the tape a little bit from the Titans, and I think there's a lot to be learned there about just sticking to your guns and over the course of the game if you trust your defense, which – improved a lot by getting a Gakwe. things will even out. Uh, and as long as Morgan Cox is, is snapping the ball perfectly and you got JT in there, you can almost assume that this game's coming down on the wire again, almost as it always does with these teams. Last year, yes. as good as the Ravens were, like I had mentioned before, as good as they were, it still came down to overtime the first time and then a close game the second time against Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph.
0: So right. it,
1: it's, it's always going to be tight with these two teams, and I'm excited for it um
0: well that's the thing they haven't played ben yet like since yes. the ravens have turned into the ravens lamar has not played ben so that's the that's the dynamic thing i I'm wish
1: this in. game were prime time well thanksgiving
0: they play primetime.
1: they do they do Pittsburgh. i wish this one were prime time um,
0: uh, oh you don't want eagles and cowboys prime time that doesn't exist not at all,
1: okay. not at all. i wish i, I wish they would have flexed they have the ability to do it now they they have built in the rules. I forget which week it starts. Um, I should have double checked that. But you've seen in the in the last couple of years they've yeah. changed the rules where they flex earlier and earlier now. They don't have to wait till the last couple of weeks. They could do it earlier if they see fit. I wish they would have done it this week because yeah. if that game were Sunday night, man, instead of Eagles Cowboys with Ben DiNucci probably starting at quarterback. Right. Oof, that would have been no, with,
0: Because this this week, that is so far and beyond the best game on the docket. And, yeah, uh, and you yeah, you yeah. got a lot of interesting storylines, too, at 1 o'clock. Obviously, I want to see 2 is first start. And, you yeah. know, I'm not going to be able to watch as much of that as I'd like to. I would
1: have even been okay with it being a 4 o'clock game. The problem with 1 o'clock is 1 o'clock is where 80% of the games are All every right, week. Right. So it, it gets lost in the shuffle. There's so much yeah. else going on. At 4 o'clock, there's only three games going on again this week. So – or two games, three games. Sorry. Three games gone out at four o'clock this week. So
0: what are the games? What are the four o'clock games?
1: Uh, the four o'clock games are maybe it is two. It's Bears saints. It's Niners Seahawks. I thought there was a third. I could be wrong, I guess. Um, why is it only showing two? I could have sworn there was three. Let me double check here. I was looking at, I had the, is uh, jets
0: chiefs at four or that's
1: one. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> um I had I had my I had my odds site up to be prepared for best bets and that's what I was looking at so I wonder if it's a four o'clock game that's off the board for some reason because did I you catch when uh, were three games
0: did you catch when you told Morgan that you were a Jets fan he went I'm sorry he said, I'm
1: sorry yeah no I I appreciate his condolences that was and, a great uh, that was a great I trip. did I did go ahead and look up the one time or the the time that the Jets beat his Ravens and it was a horrible game I, that's why I couldn't remember it. it oh, was, I
0: remember. Yeah. It, it was, was Geno uh, Smith
1: and Fitzpatrick. They, they split time, and it was horrible. It was absolutely horrible.
0: Yeah. It was uh, – they played the Giants and the Jets back-to-back weeks in New York. And uh, my – I had gone up for the game against the Giants. My parents went up for the game against the Jets. Mm. And uh, I remember it was, it was horrendous. Yeah. So uh,
1: uh, Matt Forte had like 100 yards on the ground, and that was the difference maker. That was wow, it.
0: Matt Forte. Yeah, what a, that's a that's a name right there. it's that a, a quick blip on the radar. For the Jets.
1: It is only just two oh no, three. There it is. Uh, for whatever I guess with the positive, I I knew I saw three there, but I was looking at the odds site to be prepared for best bets, like I was saying. One of the four o'clocks was off the books. The one that's off the book is Chargers Broncos because mm. the Chargers had a positive COVID test, there so temporarily go. off the board. That's, that's why. Okay, I, I was sitting here looking. I'm like, I know there's three. I know there's three. I wish they could have just moved Steelers Ravens back three hours, but there's your answer. There are. There are three. Okay. Um, that so
0: that's, that's the marquee game of the NFL slate. College football, Ohio State, Penn State, still the marquee game. Yes. Obviously, it hurts that Penn State lost to Indiana last week. But, um, I, you, you know, this, this is, is the game that people were circling on the Big Ten schedule. Michigan definitely now maybe makes things a little more interesting with that Michigan-Ohio State game down the road if they can build off of what they did last week. But Penn State definitely, heading into the season, we thought was the biggest challenger against the Buckeyes. Joe, do you think that they'll give Ohio State any problems this week? It it, it hurts, obviously, that there won't be 105,000 people in Happy Valley. But uh, do you still think that Penn State can give them a game?
1: I don't know. I mean, was Penn State what we saw last week Penn State? Or was it a team that fell victim to a trap game to start the year? with already a quick look ahead to the Ohio State game against a better than advertised Indiana team who happened to also play a perfect game, mm. uh, which which is it? I don't know that we will really figure that out until the second quarter, honestly, of that game. Um, Ohio State looked incredible. Their run game needs some work. It's going to take some getting used to. Uh, they, they looked fine, but it's obviously not J.K. Dobbins. So they need to work on that a little bit. But Fields to Olave, that combination is going to be incredible all season long. And you, you just hope, you just hope, I, I hate that we're already talking about this only a weekend. You just hope that everything stays fine with COVID tests. We questioned the Big Ten reversing its course. And a week into it, Wisconsin. already Wisconsin's yeah. on the shelf. Right. And it didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. If you, look at heat, if you look at a heat map of COVID right now, Wisconsin is the brightest red state there. And the other ones are all in the Big Ten country, besides Florida, which I'm very happy to be getting the hell out of in a couple of days. Um, Now, the other thing here, too, I was looking at the stats just because, again, with this happening in Wisconsin, I I wanted to dive into the numbers a little bit. It took Wisconsin a a few months to get to the 100,000 case threshold. It took them a couple of weeks to get to the 200,000 case threshold. So it is boomed over there and you hate to see it. I hope everybody's all right. Players, coaches. Um, It unfortunately clouded a great storyline. That was uh, the quarterback coming in Mertz and uh, threw one incompletion, four touchdowns and almost 300 yards and was all of a sudden out of nowhere, like, Oh, could this guy win the Heisman? Which is obviously week one, just overreaction. But uh, you, you just hope when you see a game like this now on the schedule this week, Ohio state, Penn state, that regardless of the outcome of that game and whatnot, Everybody's fine, and that's really all that matters right now. It seems like the first couple of weeks have always been the toughest for any league that's restarted. The MLB had a couple teams early on. The NFL had a couple issues early on. Uh, The Big 12 had a couple issues early on. The SEC had a couple issues early on. So we had this issue with Wisconsin early on. You hope that's it this week. But as far as the game itself, I got to go with Ohio State. I don't think they get upset. Um, I, I think seeing Penn State lose, seeing how good Michigan looked, uh, everybody better be rooting for Ohio State because if Penn State beats Ohio State, at least if you're a Big Ten fan, that is, because if Penn State beats Ohio State, the Big Ten is going to cannibalize itself the way the Big 12 already has aside mm-hmm. from uh, Oklahoma, State.
0: Oklahoma State. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, the spread, I think, right now is about 12, 12 and a half. I'm not going to touch it. That sounds about right. It'll be right, right around that area. Ohio State might pull away late. Um, but but they're just too talented. There's been a lot of talk about is the gap the same in the ACC as it is in the Big Ten between Clemson and everybody else and Ohio State and everybody else. I don't know if it's that dramatic, but Ohio State's pretty damn good, and the gap between them and whoever the second best team is is a lot. I think they beat Penn State. I think they'll beat Michigan when they play them. Um, they're they're just really really good. We got Clemson Notre Dame next week, uh, so that that should be another good one too. But yeah, I think the Buckeyes roll, and uh, Justin Fields. All the hype about him coming into the season, he lived. He only two, I think, had one incomplete. Yes, it us.
1: wasn't many. It wasn't yeah. many. <laughs> so he
0: was slicing and dicing them up as well. Um, all right, Joe, it is time for best bets. You are sixteen and nineteen on the season. I am fourteen and twenty-one. You got another game on me uh, because Dude. I went 0 for in the NFL, and uh, you had a nice little day in the NFL. I did. I so did. with that. I'll start us off. Yeah, your number five pick. I'll start us off. My number five
1: pick. I'll I'll stick it at five this week. I won't slide it up the board like I have been because it's a big number. But I said, (laughs) I said, if the Chiefs-Jets was this side of four touchdowns, I'd take the Chiefs. It's this side of three touchdowns. It's nineteen and a half. So I'm getting mentally a free eight points here. (laughs) So I'm jumping on nineteen and a half with the Chiefs, and I'm not thinking twice about it. Nothing needs to be said about this. The Chiefs are the best team in football, or one of the best. The Jets are one of the worst teams of the last decade. So,
0: and we've talked off pod about this. Take all the Le'Veon props and. Take yes. the, the under. I think I like the under a lot in this game. I like
1: the under because the Jets might not score, and the Chiefs <laughs> will probably show mercy at some point.
0: Right. I'm thinking 34-7, <laughs> 31-7 right in that ballpark. Like
1: that. Oh, by the way, last week when we were talking about Ohio State for best bets yeah. and I was giving my reasoning, I said I see that game being like 49-17. Field goal off, 52-17. 17
0: I was did. close. I was you are right there. Um, Well, we talked about the KC Jets under. I'm going with an under in my number five. Going to the college game, Auburn LSU, 65 and a half. The last few years these teams have been playing, last year LSU scored 23 against Auburn. They won 23-20. That was by far their worst offensive showing of the year. LSU's defense has been awful this season, but so has Auburn's offense um and Auburn's defense again they just they haven't been great this season especially how they normally are but they seem to always play LSU tough especially at home I think this could be a 30 27 kind of game 65 and a half just too many points I like the end all
1: right so this is one where if you're listening to the pod sorry you can't bet it because we're releasing this Friday morning as a Thursday night game the way we recorded this week um I can't tell you a ton about these two teams, okay? Which probably is not how you want to start a sentence when you're making a bet. Uh, South Alabama on the road against Georgia Southern. Now, what I do know about Georgia Southern is that they are a triple option football team that is hard to stop. And I do know that they are playing that game in Georgia in a rainstorm. So good luck stopping that triple option offense. And the spread is only three. So I like Georgia Southern minus three. I like that, it. Was, that was a pick that I didn't have on the board until I started seeing the weather forecast tonight. So that's all.
0: Look at you. All right. Going a little college football down in the, uh, and what the hell is that called? Sunbelt. Sunbelt. There you go. The fun belt. There you go. Number four, uh, Joe, college football has been good to me and more specifically college football with stinky lines. I had Indiana last week against Penn state. We got another smelly line here. My number four pick Virginia plus seven against North Carolina. North Carolina with that offense bounced back last week against Florida State. But, again, you look at their two road games. They barely squeaked by Boston College, and they lost to Florida State. They go on the road to number two, one and four, Virginia, who hung around with Clemson a little bit. Only a touchdown. That's a a stinky line. So I'm going with Virginia, plus seven here against North Carolina.
1: All right, so – the other game that I'm going with in college, only two, it's a line that I was very curious to see what it looked like this week. On one hand, you had Indiana upset Penn State, and now they're ranked. On the other hand, you had Rutgers look like Greg Schiano of old Rutgers, not hmm. little old Rutgers of the last couple years. Rutgers is whole. For Indiana, it's a sandwich game. They're against Michigan next week. Just beat Penn State against Michigan next week. So it's a big spot for a letdown for Indiana. This line started at 13 and a half. It's moved all the way to 11. So I'm going to follow that line movement and I'm going to ride with Rutgers at home. I don't think they'll win it outright. I don't think they'll win it outright. I think they'll keep it to single digits. There's just something about when a team gets that number next to their name after not having it there, where they're due for a little bit of a letdown in and of itself. But you couple that with the fact that it was an emotionally charged overtime win at home against Penn State. And then you have another ranked opponent in Michigan coming this week with Rutgers, who's not as bad as they've been in the past, in the middle. I like Rutgers to cover 11 points.
0: All right. I like that. Pick number three, I'm going to the NFL. I got Indianapolis minus two and a half this week against the Lions. I love the number, two and a half. Colts win by a field goal. You're a winner. I like that they're coming off a bye. They get a week to reload. The Lions, obviously, coming off that thrilling last second win against Atlanta. And Atlanta just continues to be impressive in the ways that they find ways to lose games. But I do like Indianapolis. I think they're the better team. I like them on the road because they can run the football and they play good defense. And I just think they're a better coach team, obviously, Frank Reich, smash, Patricia, Lions will just make dumb mistakes. The Colts will be the smarter team, and they'll win by at least a field goal. All
1: right, now I'm going back to the NFL. It's where I've done my best. It's where you've done your worst. So yeah. you should probably start staying away from it I've I'm been much better in
0: college, yeah.
1: I mean, you've been significantly better uh, in, in college right now. Uh, I like teams that are coming off of a loss. Uh, the Seahawks are coming off of a loss that they shouldn't have lost. The Niners, they've had a couple of nice performances, but I still think they are – not, a, I don't think middle-of-the-road team is the way to put it. They're not elite like they were last year. They're not middle-of-the-road. They're probably in that 10-6 and six area. Mm. They've looked better than that in the last couple of weeks. They beat a Rams team, though, in that span. That is clearly not what everybody thinks they are. And while they have five wins, their five wins have come against all four NFC East teams and the Bears. And then they beat the Patriots last week, the Niners, who are horrible. Uh, now that, now we finally see. So this Niners team, like the Rams, have beaten up on the teams that aren't really great. And they, I mean, they went actually and lost to the Eagles. And they, They've had their struggles. So I think they're closer to that middle ground than they are the team that looked great the last couple of weeks. And the Seahawks at home in a huge divisional game. It's always close when these teams play. Uh, Three points. I could totally see this being one of those classic Niners-Seahawks games where it's a two-point win for the Seahawks. And I'll trust that at worst I'm getting a push with Seahawks minus three coming off of a loss. They're going to be pissed off at that loss because, I mean, they had that game in hand and just blew it. So I like the Seahawks minus three.
0: My number two, you just talked about them a moment ago, how horrible they are, but I'm rolling with them. Patriots plus four. I just refuse to believe that Bill Belichick is going to get embarrassed again. They had a horrible performance against Denver. They got blown off. His worst home loss as a coach of the Patriots against San Francisco last week. But here we go. He gets into his comfort zone, a divisional opponent trying to overtake the Patriots. Joe, this is a must win. They're desperate. They have to win this game against Buffalo. I'm getting a great number at four. So even if they lose, I think it'll be close. And, again, what have the Bills done the past couple weeks to really impress anybody? They got blown out by the Titans. They lost Kansas City at home. And they couldn't score a touchdown on the Jets. So the Bills have really been struggling. The Patriots have struggled stopping the run. And that is the thing that the Bills just can't do this season. They can't run the football. Josh Allen has really cooled off ever since that hot start to start the year. So I like New England plus four on the road at Buffalo.
1: All right, number one this week, I don't like hooks. Got a hook. It scares me, but I'm still going with it. I like the Rams minus three and a half on the road against the Dolphins. It's not something that really – how do I put it? It's not something that I would uh, pick in a normal year because in a normal year, this game is one of those that the Rams would maybe take for granted in the middle of their schedule, Right. But looking around the NFC West, everybody has a is is five hundred or better. So they can't take any game lightly. They have to take every game like it's a Super Bowl. East Coast against a team that's middle of the road or below average, that's one of those where they might take the day off. So I think you're throwing that out of the equation. I don't think you have that East Coast against a lesser opponent let down. First thing. Second thing, to us starting for the first time in about a year in live action. That's going to be tough. I think he's a stud. He's going to be a star. I love Tua. I think it'll take him a game or two to get his feet wet. And you're asking him to go out there, throw it into the fire against that defensive line, staring at Aaron Donald for 60 minutes. That's a tough order to to sell on your rookie quarterback. And the other thing here, the boost that a team traditionally gets from going to a rookie potential future star quarterback is negated in my opinion, because look at who he's replacing. He is replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's been playing really well and is the heart and soul of that team. So those, I think, cancel each other out. While you, you might have that push for having that rookie, you have a big letdown for seeing a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick go to the sideline. So all those things considered, I thought this line was going to be around five or six. It came out at three. Now it's at three and a half. I don't like picking hooks, like I just said, but I will take the Rams minus the three and a half. I see this game ending up somewhere in the neighborhood of like 23 to 13, where the Dolphins really struggle to score, even though they're off a bye. Even though they're off a bye, uh, I don't think the bye was really good for them here because you just want Tua to get out there and play and start to get into a rhythm. And I had to sit an extra week. And now with the bye, the Rams had an extra week to know that tool was gonna to be the star, prepare for him. All of, in a normal year, like I said, I might have taken the Dolphins in this game, but with all these different factors, I really think it's a safe pick to go with the Rams.
0: God, I just hope he stays okay having to of face course. Aaron Donald. Of for
1: course. I, I thought the same thing. Earlier this year we saw Aaron Donald give a piggy or oh, take Alex Smith, Alex Smith with a, a Smith. piggyback ride. And that's after the man shattered his leg and almost lost his leg in his life, and I was right. holding my breath. And now Tua also almost lost his career with a leg injury. And I'm going to be sitting there holding my breath whenever Aaron Donald gets near it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Joe, you mentioned you don't like picking three and a half with the hook. I'm with you, but I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to college, though. I like West Virginia minus three and a half against Kansas State. The last 13 times where an unranked team has been favored by three and a half or more against a ranked team, 11 and two is the unranked team in those spots. Kansas State, yeah, they're 4-1. and one. They still got a lot to play for in the Big 12, obviously. Um, but they've been outgained in four of the five games that they've played this season. So while the record looks good on the field, they haven't been great. Vegas obviously sees that catching up with them this week. I got to trust trust the wise guys, the bookmakers, that they know what they're doing. So I'm rolling with West Virginia minus three and All
1: right. Well, there you have it. My five, Chiefs, minus 19 and a half. Thursday night action, Georgia Southern, minus three. State in college, Rutgers, plus 11. Back to the pros, we went with uh, number one as the Rams, minus three and a half, and number two, the Seahawks, minus three.
0: Yep. I got Auburn, LSU, under as my five. Virginia, plus seven against North Carolina is my four. Colts, minus two and a half. Patriots, plus four. And then Take me home, country roads, West Virginia, (laughs) minus three and a half. Now, before
1: we go to trivia, one that I wanted to throw out there as well, it's a little bonus. Um, Forecast right now in Cleveland for Sunday kickoff, 28-mile-an-hour winds and heavy rains. The total is 51. That forecast holds as we get into the next day or two. Um, Obviously, the weather changes all the time. That forecast holds in the next day or two, that under 51 in a monsoon with almost 30-mile-an-hour winds might be something to look at.
0: Interesting call with two teams that like to run the ball. So yep. that's definitely a, uh, a good thought. Um, Joe, we are tied in trivia, at nine and a we half apiece.
1: Yeah, we, we both got it right last week. So you do. We in I like wrong.
0: my question for you this week. I know you like your question I for do. me this week. Um, I believe I gave you my question first last week. I could be wrong. You did. That. Okay. You did. So if you want, you can give me uh, my question first.
1: I I'll will give, first. give you your question. I really liked it. I saw it on a broadcast last week. Quarterback pass catching duos. Mm-hmm. The top four touchdown totals. That's your question. Quarterback pass catcher duos who are the top four most all touchdowns. All time. Combined, all time.
0: All time. Okay. Quarterback wide receiver. So we got Montana Rice. Incorrect. Really?
1: And it's quarterback pass catcher, not quarterback receiver.
0: Quarterback pass catcher. Okay. But already strike what? Uh, Rivers and Gates. That is one of them. Okay. Um, Manning and Marvin Harrison.
1: That is another one of them.
0: Okay. Um, let's see. We got Jim Kelly and Andre Reid. We got uh, – 30 Eli. seconds gone. Got a minute left. Eli had a lot of different targets. Ben – Threw a lot to Hines Ward, San Antonio Holmes, Antonio Brown. Uh, let's see, it's got to be quarter. Oh, uh, Aikman, Michael Irvin,
1: incorrect. Two strikes,
0: creepy Jim Kelly, and Andre Reed. Uh, let me think if there are some others. Um,
1: got 30 seconds left,
0: man. Uh, Yeah, Breeze, Jimmy Graham wouldn't have enough. Michael Thomas wouldn't have enough. Aaron Rodgers, I don't think it'd be Jennings
1: or Adams. 15 seconds.
0: All right, I'll do Jim Kelly and Andre Reid.
1: Incorrect. I saw this on a Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast. Brady Gronk is one of the ones you're missing. Brady. And you were close. You were really close on the fourth. You said Montana Rice. It's Steve Young Rice.
0: Mm.
1: You're on the right path. Peter yeah, Rice was a part of it.
0: Brady yes. Gronk was. Yeah, I just I was thinking Brady, Randy Moss. I wasn't thinking Gronk, but I I knew he wouldn't have enough for. Yeah. Uh,
1: the numbers on that are one fourteen for Manning, Harrison ninety two for Young Rice, ninety two for Brady Gronk, and ninety for Rivers Gates. Gotcha.
0: All right, nice. Yeah, that was a good one. I like that. All right, mine for you is football as well. It's going along All the right. line of Ravens Steelers this week. Right. So there are seven current NFL coaches that have been tenured with their teams since 2014. Seven Har-
1: coaches that have been there for s- at least six years.
0: Correct. Okay. Tomlin and Harbaugh are obviously two of those. Tomlin's third. He got hired in 2007. Harbaugh's fourth. He got hired in 2008. Can you give me the other five longest tenured head coaches since with their teams?
1: Since 2014.
0: All right, gotcha. Joe, go for it.
1: Bill Belichick is one of them. There's nobody else in the AFC East. In the NFC East, uh, nobody has been there since. Ooh, Peterson. He might have been a 14 higher. Peterson?
0: Not Peterson. No. no. All right,
1: one strike. He was 15.
0: Uh, he was close.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah. Not Washington. Uh, not Atlanta. Not Carolina. Not the Bucks. Not. Oh, Sean Payton. Payton. There
0: you go. Okay, so I got Two. three more. Yep uh three andy more reed. yep andy reed andy reed since 2013
1: okay. all right out west there is nobody else in the north besides the Raven and Steelers, there's nobody else then in the nfc north um 45 seconds left has zimmer been there that long zimmer yes zimmer okay. so i need one more
0: yeah zimmer was okay, the not, not yep. there
1: not in there uh oh Pete carroll well done Yep, yep,
0: correct. See, the, the thing Pro here is B1. when you give
1: me the thing here when you give me NFL ones like this, and this is where I come you just in. Go strong, through the
0: divisions. I yeah. can go
1: through the divisions like that because it's one of those like quick things that I just—it's like the alphabet for me. Like I can get <laughs> through every division right in just a second each division. Like so that's what that's what gives me the advantage. I think that's like the third or fourth title that you give me one like that. I think one of them I got it wrong but I was, oh, the one time when um, you asked me that one question that gave me my half point that I thought was too hard, but then I just started going through the divisions and I got it right. That was one of them.
0: Oh, and yeah, then, yeah. It was some Jets question. Or it something was some Jets
1: question. So. You know, it's
0: funny. When I came up with the question, I didn't really think about that you'd go through the divisions. I just kind of thought you'd think of like what coaches have been there uh-huh. the longest, but... That was good. Zimmer was the toughie because I knew you'd get the top four: Belichick, Payton, Carroll, Reed. But Zimmer was the one I was not sure. But well done, got Zimmer.
1: There we go. Ten and and a half. half, Ten and a half. Back in the lead.
0: Joe has retaken. He's made quite the comeback. Ten and a half. Well done. So twenty-three episodes. Ten and a half. I mean, you're 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 about halfway.
1: Almost there. Almost. We said, hey, we said that. As long as we're batting like 300, that's a good MLB average. I'm almost at 50 now. I'm almost at 50%. Hey,
0: 300, you make the Hall of Fame, so.
1: There you go. There you go. Now, (laughs) we probably, probably are taking a bye week for listeners, just so you know. Probably taking a bye week. We've done 23 in a row. I'm moving back out of Florida because our season's over down here, and it's the off season. I'm going back home, and I'm driving on Sunday and Monday, and Lord knows – we are going to have a very interesting Tuesday and Wednesday next week, where this podcast is the furthest thing from probably everyone's mind. Yeah. So, of course, I'm talking about the NFL trade deadline, you know. <laughs>
0: but, exactly. Uh,
1: but but we're uh, we're probably taking a bye week next week. We'll gauge things out maybe on Thursday, where the two of us might hop on for something quick. But in all likelihood, it'll be a bye week after 23 weeks. So. Just wanted to put that out there so people know. It was
0: bound to happen where we just had a week where it couldn't match yeah. up, where we were too busy. And this yeah. is like, and look, this is episode 23. Jordan had to take a break, didn't he?
1: Exactly. There you uh, go. kind of perfect. He had to, that this is the break. We had episode. to. And you know what? We'll. Well, see, we won't come back. When we come back, we'll still be counting from 23. We won't go to 45 like True. Jordan did. True. We won't be here with episode 45. But we, we got to take a break at some point. It's looking like this week. If we get it, it's a bonus surprise for you. We'll definitely still have our picks tweeted out because uh, I got to continue widening the gap there now with P.J. in addition to the trivia. But, easy.
0: yeah, easy. <laughs> yeah, easy. I, uh, Yeah, I'm just going to – if I go 0 for 2 in the NFL this week, just expect five college next week. <laughs> and I'm just done with the NFL. But, uh, but yeah, you know, 23 in a row. Hoping we'll see if we get in an episode next week. Highly unlikely, but we'll see. And then – We'll reload and try and get some uh, some great guests for the month of November. Last episode of October. Any big Halloween plans at all? Well,
1: you're driving. absolutely not. I got, yeah, my, old old. I got my last before. day. I got my last day of work on Halloween. Um, don't know what Halloween's going to look like in a pandemic, anyway. And then I'm driving. So,
0: what was your favorite yeah. Halloween costume that you had as a kid?
1: Oh, good question. Um, ooh, so. I think the one that everybody loves the most, looking back at my old pictures, it's it's on my Instagram somewhere. It's when I was Woody when I was like three. It's oh, got to be the cutest costume that i ever had. That's solid, yeah. Um, and then beyond that, mm, you know, I wasn't the most creative. I've just never been the biggest of the Halloween people. Um, I think that's the one. I don't think anything really comes close to that. I think that was the best one that I ever had.
0: Um, You know... My my mom is so good at like creating costumes. My brother is way more creative than I was. Like, he was Marty McFly and he got a oh, wow. hoverboard and all that. He was a uh, he was a Rubik's cube. Like one year, so, you know me. I mean, I've gone as like a Ravens player like five years. I've done and, stuff
1: like that too. I went as a Jets fan. Right, I went as, so. Like, yeah, I, I took the easy way out and just put a jersey on, which isn't really a costume. The but.
0: best all-time costume I've ever seen was on Twitter, where it was a uh, DMV employee that was uh, the sloth from the Zootopia. The sloth I saw that from
1: Zootopia. Oh, that was great. My goodness, that was great. That
0: was, that's one of those you see that and you're like genius. Like you, yep. can't, you can't anything stop that.
1: situational and topical like that. to at work, always great. Always Fantastic. Great. And cool then with your know?
0: Oh. Okay. Hate candy corn.
1: I'm a big candy corn guy.
0: Oh, candy I like corn! Candy
1: corn. It's got to be good though. It it can't be like it can't be like you know, um, someone like the just the 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 candy brands that make like jelly beans and whatnot that also just happen to dip their toe in the candy corn pool come October. You got to get it from like a gourmet like mom and pop farm that like happens to make it. Then it's good. Then okay. it's real good. You they make it with that like locally sourced honey that they farm on their own farm. Then it's then you're talking like some good sweetness and not that like store processed yeah, crap. Candy but
0: corn just doesn't do it for me, it. me. It's
1: not like Peeps. Peeps are no, I pass on Peeps, but candy corn. Peeps I
0: can do. are you know I, I don't make a peep out of Peeps. They're all right. I like Twizzlers.
1: Go. I like Twix. Twix I is like my Halloween candy of choice. Yeah, Twix. And sour Skittles. Twix and Sour Skittles.
0: Okay. Okay. Very nice. All right. Well, Joe, have a nice Halloween. Have a good trip back to Jersey. I,
1: thank you and, i hope our uh, picks aren't scary i hope they're yes.
0: <laughs> so maryland are they going to cover this week against minnesota
1: oh i've tried to go the whole show without referencing the <laughs> what that debacle was last week i was texting my friends that i graduated with they said what do i think tonight before the game started i said maryland loses by four about halfway through the game they texted me and they said huh four right i said oh did i say four i meant four at a
0: zero to that yep
1: and then they and lost by forty. Right. Yeah. And then they lost by forty. So I don't know. Um, I don't have any faith in the team. Um, I wish I could have more faith in the team. And Minnesota's coming off of a loss, which angers them. Um,
0: oh yeah. Maryland will lose. <laughs>
1: will they cover three touchdowns? Also, probably not. But I don't know. I'll just watch it and hope. That's all. <laughs> yep.
0: All right, Joe. Enjoy the football tonight. Good luck on your Georgia Southern pick. Fan- Panthers, Falcons. Who you like, real quick?
1: Oh, I like the Panthers. You like the Panthers?
0: Okay. I like Falcons. Under as
1: well. Panthers under. Okay. Another one where with the weather, fifteen mile an hour winds, yeah. rain, and the field is damp from the Hurricane Zeta that already passed through there today. So True. another another weather induced under, I think, in this game. And they combined for thirty nine when they played earlier this year, totals fifty one tonight.
0: There you go. Nice little nugget to end the show. Thanks again to Morgan Cox for joining us. Hope he's a winner this week. Uh, the Ravens can prove to 6 and 1. Let's break a little Steelers' money line. Yeah, that's probably the right side. <laughs> uh, for Joe on PJ Glasser, and we'll see you when we see you for episode yep. 24.